Welcome to the Emerging Temple broadcast for October 14, 2019. I'm Michael Obeyer. I will be your guide for the rest of this program. At Emerging Temple, we seek to analyze current events within the context of God's plan for mankind, a plan in which he intends to unfold a government that he shall establish here on earth, and he has invited us to be part of the government in which he will establish. Before I go any further, I want to encourage you to once more, click on the like button, subscribe to our channels. If you have a bell icon at the bottom of your screen, hit the bell icon so that way you get notified anytime we upload new video. I can't stress how necessary it is for us to get more subscribers and to have you um, share our videos with others, family, friends, so that those who God has elected to be worthy, to be in the government he shall establish, shall begin to receive the clarion call and prepare themselves for this time. Okay, today I want to build up, build on a little bit of something we spoke about last week. We had talked about the bond children and the free children, or something like that. And I got some interesting questions from some people about that. And um, just today, I would, a thought crossed my mind, and that was everywhere um, in the world, you have different kinds of people striving for something better, a better country, um, to go to heaven, to um, build a better um, soccer team. Everybody seems to be seeking some kind of perfection here on earth. And it seems that inside of people, there's this, some, there, there seems to be like a, a, a coded message in their DNA to strive for something better, to, to know that there's something better outside of ourselves. And I got thinking about um, these people who call themselves neo-Nazis and they, their doctrine says that they are special, that they are, uh, they are the master race, they are superior to everybody else on earth. Now, of course, that's ludicrous, but I thought to myself, why is there, and by the way, they're not the only ones. There are people who are from other parts of the world. I don't want to mention any place, you know, whether in Africa, whether in Asia, whether in the Americas. In fact, even the United States of America has what's called um, the, um, the, the American dream that, you know, there's, there's all kinds of there's all kinds of ideas out there about why people think, you know, there's something special about them. It that means somewhere people know that there is there is a special people, but exactly who are those people? And I know, without a shadow of a doubt, that those who have been initiated by Jesus Christ into the mystery of God are the special race. And that this race has always existed from the beginning of time. And I will take time today to show us from scripture that there is a master race, but they are not what we think or what people have put out there to be a master race. The master race of God, I will give it to you in a nutshell, is a servant race of people. There are men and women who have loved the Lord Jesus Christ and have been called by him to lay down their lives for everyone. 
that is what makes them the master race. But believe it or not, not every person who's a Christian has been called to be in the master race. And we will see that, okay? We will see that today. I know how that sounds because that was part of the question that I was receiving from last week's broadcast. Um, why are you dichotomizing the, the body of Christ? Well, I'm not. Jesus Christ himself said, many are called, but few are chosen. He says, the kingdom of God is like a man who cast his net into the sea to catch fish. And he drew the fish onto shore. And those that were not good enough, he threw back into the sea. There's so many parables about the elect. He said, those days shall be shortened for the sake of the elect. Just the fact that you believe in Christ doesn't mean you are among the elect. But before we go any further, as I usually do, I'd like to share a clip of um, a, a, an ideology that took hold of Germany in the early 1930s. It actually started way beyond then, but in the 19, early 1930s, it began to have um, government and political backing. And it permeates, to this day, the thought process of a lot of countries. They don't openly come out and say it, but when you relate with people today, I want you to understand that there's many people who hold on to this belief system that the Nazis had, okay? And they, they don't openly come out with it. I'm not saying they're Germans. No, they could be any country. But you need to understand that people think like that. But I'm not really interested in that. I want to use that as an as a, as a, as a analogy of what we're going to discuss today, okay? So let's take a look. Let's take a look at this, and we'll see um, what this meant to some people and still does today. In the heart of Bremen, in northern Germany, stands an extraordinary building. Completed in 1931, House Atlantis was designed as an institute for the study of Atlantis and the Aryan super race. facade was originally adorned by a large wooden sculpture depicting the Nordic god Odin crucified on the tree of life. Inside House Atlantis, an astonishing stairwell built of glass and steel. It may evoke the Aryan exodus from Atlantis. visitor enters a mysterious room. Known as the Heaven's Hall, this was to be the teaching forum for the twisted ideologies of Hermann Wirth. Hermann Wirth was quite fascinated by the idea of finding Atlantis. His idea was that this Atlantis was not somewhere in the Mediterranean or something like that, but in the North Atlantic region. And in his idea, in Atlantis, 20 to 25,000 years ago, a Nordic race was created that was to control and influence the development of mankind to a strong degree. Soon, 
the highest echelons in Germany are paying attention to Wirth's bizarre pseudo-history. In 1935, Himmler joins forces with Wirth to establish the Annenerbe, an elite SS unit consisting of archaeologists, scientists, and historians. Their mission? To search the sacred sites of the world for evidence that the Aryans of Atlantis were not mythological. Himmler wants proof they actually existed. As head of the SS, Himmler was fascinated by the idea of proving the supremacy of the Nordic race. And he was the strongest supporter of archaeologists researching on prehistoric German grounds. The Annenerbe turned their focus on ancient sacred sites, among them the Externstein. A major excavation begins, commanded by Wilhelm Teut. Their mission is to prove that the Externstein was used for sacred rituals by Nordic German descendants of the Aryans, thousands of years before it became a Christian sacred site. During the search for their Germanic Nordic roots, the Externstein comes to symbolize pure German heritage. The excavations at the Externstein become Himmler's pet project. Meanwhile, Himmler sends Annenerbe teams across the world to hunt for proof of the German people's Aryan origins. But modern research is proving that the Nazi theories were fundamentally flawed. So friends, we've listened a little clip. And I want you to know this is not limited to just, you know, the Nazis of past, Germans. You can look in almost every continent, almost in every country, there's some idea, some ideology of some group of people who think that they're special just because they are. And I want to let you know that they're onto something, but they are not the special ones because the scriptures actually tell us who the special ones are. And we're gonna take a look at some scripture today. I'm gonna to do quite a bit of reading, so you're gonna be patient, okay? And I want you to understand that if you are running and struggling for position, for to be recognized, to, to be accepted by everybody and all of that kind of stuff, you know, you, you, you can't, you must have the flashiest car and oh, you lie and steal and you are definitely not of the master race because the master race is one chosen and elected by God. Okay, so let's start here. At the very beginning let's start at genesis how's that okay um yeah we'll start at the beginning genesis and the fourth chapter it says and adam knew his wife again this is after adam and had adam and eve had, had cain and abel cain had killed abel so god gave eve another son called seth so it says and adam knew his wife again and she bare a son and called his name Seth. For God, said she, hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. Verse 26, and to Seth, to him also there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. Now, notice, men had been born, okay? Cain had had children, 
they're the descendants. But up until now, it hadn't registered to anybody to call on the name of the Lord. These people had it in their DNA to want God, to desire God, to desire something higher. Okay? They couldn't help themselves. And it says, verse 26, this is Genesis 4, verse 26. It says, and to Seth, to him also there was born a son, and he called his name in us. Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. Okay? So let's let's continue. Let's let's look let's look a little bit more. We're going to go two chapters later to Genesis 6 and notice something there. That's where we begin to see that there is a master race. Okay? Watch. Now listen. Okay. So Genesis chapter 6 we're going to take from verse 1 to 3. Okay? It says, and it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, fair there means beautiful, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. So God was going to give mankind 120 years to get their act together. And if they didn't get their act together, then Noah's flood would come. Okay. So now, verse 4 says, there were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bare children to them. The same became mighty men, which were of old, men of renown. Okay, I want to read this one more time, at least verse 1 to 3. And it came to pass, from verse 1, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, and they took them wives of all that they chose. And God said, my spirit will not always argue and contest and strive with man over this issue because he is also flesh, but I'll give him 120 more years, okay? And it says from these, from this, these unions, the offspring were giants. Now, I don't want to go into this particular story. I just want to bring up the principle here for us, okay? And that principle here is this, that one, the sons of God were not some angelic beings or whatever, angels can't marry women, okay? The sons of God here are the descendants of that man called Seth you saw in Genesis 4, okay? And the daughters of men were the descendants of Cain, okay? Or whomever, all right? But you had two different classes of people. That's my point, okay? And um, you see that there is, they're both human beings, but one group is called the sons of God. And I want you to understand something. The book of John, the first chapter, it says, to as many as received Jesus, he gave them the power to become the sons of God. Now, I want you to take note of that title, sons of God. It can only be obtained through Jesus Christ. 
But the fact that you have Jesus Christ in your life doesn't mean you have obtained that title, Son of God. It's not something you can earn. You either have it or you don't have it, okay? And to those who have it, as I speak, you begin to hear me and you understand something inside of you knows what I'm talking about. You know your call for something deep and something higher. And you're like an eagle moving around with chickens. And as you hear this message, it is up, it is, you're obligated to share it with others because you don't know where the rest of us are. And they're all over the world, black, white, Asian, um, African, whatever. They need to hear this because the time for our liberation has come. The time for us to be revealed to the world is near. And do not take this lightly. This is not the time like ever before. The hour for the sons of God has come. Now let's look at, let's look at something I want to point out you know, um, that is really important. I don't want us to, let's look at um, First Peter. I don't want us to think that this is some kind of positional thing where, you know, we lord it over. No, we are now in a situation in which we have to prove that we are like Christ, that we are willing to serve everybody, both those who believe in Christ and those who do not, that we are ready to serve them, okay, and be to them as Jesus would have been had he been here in our stead, okay? How do I know that? Well, let's look at what the Apostle Peter says. And this is 1 Peter chapter 2 from verse 9, what he says about the chosen. He said, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who had called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Verse 11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. That's covetousness, etc. Okay, Having your conduct honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they behold, Glorify God in the day of visitation. That means when their eyes are opened, they regret all the negative and nasty things they said about you. Okay? Verse 13. Submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme, or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. So in other words, we're supposed to be humble people. All legitimate laws that are in your nation that do not contradict the gospel of Jesus Christ, we should submit to them, we should obey them. Even when they seem to be a bit, you know, uh, obnoxious and difficult, as long as they don't contradict the word of God, Peter says we should humble ourselves and obey. Now, for those people who inside of you, you must rebel, well, you're not going to like this, okay? You're not going to want to take this. And, you know, fine. What does that tell you? It means you're not chosen, okay? If you find that no matter what it is that God has said, you can't submit to that. You're just not going to take it from him anymore. You're not just going to take it from her anymore. You're not just going to take it from them anymore. You're going to give them a piece of your mind. You're going to let them know that you have rights. Look, 
this is not for you. Okay, let's continue. Verse 15, for so is the will of God that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Verse 16, as free, that means you're free. You, you, you're seeing things, you're not limited like other people are limited. You are free, but not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. In other words, even though you might be free to do certain things, you control yourself and not do those things if in some way it will be misconstrued. That's what he's talking about there. Verse 17, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Verse 18, servants, be subject to your masters. Look, simply put, at your job, you know, respect your boss, honor your boss, okay? It says, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the forward. You know, those, those bosses that get under your skin, you know what? It says, look, be humble towards them. Verse 19, for this is thankworthy if a man, for the sake of conscience toward God, endures grief, suffering wrongfully. Verse 20, for what glory is it when if you are buffeted for your faults, you take it patiently? But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable unto God. Now, I want to stop here briefly. I want to stop here and try to make us, help us understand that these things that the apostle Peter just said, these things are the character and the nature of the elect, of the sons of God, of the special race that God has established for those people who will rule with him in the not too distant future. Okay? The master race are those who hear this and by nature they agree with it and they submit to it. They're not in rebellion, wanted to make a point, wanted to prove a point, I wanted to show that they have right, you know. Oh, this is a democracy and I ain't gonna take it anymore. Look, we are looking for a kingdom that has foundations whose maker is God. And that time is near and do not give it up for a morsel of bread, all right? Now, let's go look at um, the story of Joseph and how, I want you to understand that Joseph had 12 brothers, sorry, 11 brothers. And he was one of 12 brothers. And he had dreams in which he always saw himself in a position of superiority over his brothers. That is telling you that even within the house of God, there is an elect. There are those who are set apart, those who are chosen, okay? And the other brothers didn't find it funny. But guess what? Joseph didn't choose himself. God did. Joseph didn't make himself have this revelation and this insight and this understanding and this gift. God did. Why come against Joseph? Because of what God has done. Maybe you're fighting God, not Joseph. So let's see. Let's, let's, let's stop talking and let's just go see what, what, what we can find, okay? So we go to Genesis 37. Okay, so we take Genesis 37 from verse 3. Now, I want you to notice something before, I, before we go any further, okay? 
Here we're going to read about Joseph's dreams. And at the end, I'm going to say something to you about his mother that will surprise you. Okay? Now listen. Genesis chapter 37 from verse 3. It says, now Israel, that's the father of Joseph, loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. Now I want, to, I want us to just briefly, he loved him because he was the son of his old age. Well, Benjamin, Joseph's younger brother, was younger than Joseph, but the father didn't love him as much as he loved Joseph. So it's, what we're talking about here is not just the fact that Joseph was young, but that Joseph was elected by God and had the divine favor of God. And his life was about ministering to his brothers. When you have time, you go see it, you will see his father sending him to go take food to his brothers, etc. Okay? Verse 4. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. Verse 5. And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told his brethren, told it his brethren, and they hated him yet more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamt, of which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood round about and made obeisance to my sheaf. That means obeisance means to bow. His, their sheaf bowed to his sheaf. Verse 8, and when his brethren said to him, shall thou indeed reign over us? Huh? I can hear the Christians saying, are you saying you guys are more special? And I said, look, maybe you listening to one of us. I can only speak for myself, okay? But I know that I'm part of the elect that God has promised will rule in the time to come. There's no doubt about that in my mind. And let's continue. Verse 9. Verse 9. And he dreamed yet another dream and told it his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren. And his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I? and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee, to thee, to the earth. And his brethren envied him, envied him, but his father observed the same. His father kept in mind what he has said. Now, what was it I wanted to say about the mother? Hold on, wait for it. His mother was already dead, okay? So the vision that Joseph was having was not just about what would happen, which you and I know did occur in Egypt. He was seeing that he himself was gonna be amongst us, among the elect in this coming dispensation that Emerging Temple has been talking to you about, okay? Now, I, I have a few more scriptures. I'm not gonna be able to read them all because of time, 
but I'm going to talk about them um, briefly. Okay, so I want us to look at the book of Daniel, chapter seven. I'm going to take you from verse eight all the way to verse twenty-eight. Now, if I am unable to finish it all, okay, I want to encourage you to take your time to go finish it. But I'm going to give you some synopsis of what's going on here. Okay, so from um, from verse eight, Daniel the prophet gets a vision of the end of time and the establishment of God's government on earth and what transpires before it, the rule of what he refers to as the beasts. And that refers to the temporal governments that we have today, both seen and unseen. Okay, so let's read from verse eight. So Daniel is, you know, saying he's, uh, he, he, he was watching these horns, which represents, you know, the beasts. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this form were eyes, like the eyes of man, and a mouth speaking great things. So he's talking here about a government that is yet to come on earth, that is, looks small, but controls the whole world, okay? And this is going to be the last government, the last world government, okay, before the establishment of the government of the Son of God. Verse 9, I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousand thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set, and the books were opened. I beheld then, because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake, I beheld even till the beast was slain, and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. As concerning the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and time. Verse 13, I saw in the night visions, which means dreams, and behold, one like the son of man came with the sound, with the clouds of heaven and came to the ancient of days and they brought him near before him. Okay, so he saw the ancient of days whose hair was white as wool and now he's seen somebody being presented. The clouds are bringing, you know, are accompanying this person to meet the ancient of days. And I want you to understand that the cloud here represents people, okay? So in the book of Hebrews, read about the cloud of witnesses, okay? And this son of man is coming, but I want you to understand something. This son of man is not one individual. It's a group of people. And we will see that when the angel interprets the dream for Daniel, okay? Verse 14, and there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations and languages should serve him his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed verse 15 i daniel was grieved in my spirit in the midst of my body and the visions of my head troubled me i came near unto one of them that stood by and asked him the truth the meaning of all this so he told me and made me understand the interpretation of these visions these great beasts, which are four, are four kings, which shall arise out of the earth. 
But the saints, I want you to underline this. Verse 18. But the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. That means that son of man who you saw, who you just read about, is the saints. It's a plurality of people exemplified by a subject individual. Okay? All right? I want you to understand it's not just one person. It's a group of people that will receive the kingdom and rule. Verse 19, then I would know the truth of the fourth beast, which was diverse from all the others, diverse from all the others, exceedingly dreadful, whose teeth were of iron. We didn't read this part, okay? We didn't read, we skipped all this part, okay? And his nails of brass, which devoured, break in pieces and stamped the residue with his feet. And of the 10 horns that were, that were in his head and of the other which came up and before whom three fell, even of that horn that had eyes and a mouth that spake very great things, whose look was more stout than his fellows. I beheld and the same horn made war with the saints. This is the Antichrist warring with us at the, very soon, at the end of time, and prevailed against us, prevailed against them, until the ancient of days came and judgment was given to who? The saints of the Most High. And the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. So guess who's judging on judgment day? Okay, all right. Verse 23, thus he said, the fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth, who, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms and shall devour the whole earth and shall tread it down and break it in pieces. And the 10 horns out of his kingdom are 10 kings that shall arise and another shall rise after them. And it shall be diverse from the first and it shall subdue three kings. Friends, I don't have time to explain what all these things are because I'm narrowing my subject matter to who the elect, the sons of God, and the, 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 those who are chosen are. Okay? I'm not worried so much about the governments of this time and you know, what will be until they come. I want to talk about them. Okay? Verse 26. But the judgment shall sit. Remember, the judgment is a group of people. And they shall take away his dominion. So the judgment is a group of people. We're talking about people. He said, they shall take away. He didn't say, he shall take away. He said, the judgment, they, the judgment shall take away the dominion of the beast to consume and to destroy it unto the end. Verse 27, and the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to who? To the people of the saints of the most high, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom government and all dominions shall serve and obey him hitherto is the end of the matter as for me daniel my cogitations much troubled me and my countenance changed in me but i kept the matter in my heart friends i've given you scriptures that you can go and cross-reference to make you understand that emerging temple is calling you to something much higher. And for those who have that beat inside of you as you listen to this and know that you're hearing something and you're being called to something, then you need to make that decision. You need to come up higher. Yes, you might be a child of God. Maybe you're right now not yet a Christian. Maybe you're in a different religion or maybe you're just not you know, committed to God in some way. 
wherever you are in the scale of things right now it's not too late for you to be found among those who god is preparing to rule with him here in earth okay this these scriptures have shown you and demonstrated to you that not everybody that just because you're a christian or go to church is going to be among the elect okay i know i am among the elect i didn't make myself to be among the elect if I was not among the elect, I wouldn't have this revelation that I have. And if you're able to understand what I'm saying, very, very likely, in fact, I'm almost certain that you've been called by God to be among the elect. It doesn't matter whether you're a Christian now or not. If you can understand what I'm talking about, if you can believe what I'm talking about, you have been chosen by God to be among the elect and the time has come. If you need to be right with God right now, all you got to do is take care of that business by simply stating to God right now, say to him, Father, I'm sorry. I've lived my own life. I've done things my own way. I believe in my heart that Jesus died for me and that he rose from the dead for me. Make me a new person. Give me the power. Fill me up with your Holy Spirit that I might live righteously to you. And if you're already a Christian, but you're having difficulty having that humility that will allow you to overcome and to enter into the kingdom. You also need to go to God and ask him for humility and to give you a new chance, a new opportunity, okay? Don't get yourself entangled with people who call themselves Christians but do nothing but fight, bite, scratch, and tear. You don't wanna, don't wanna entangle yourself with them. Forget about them, move on. Move on and press on towards the mark, okay? You're seeing something, they can't see it. And guess what, they're not gonna be held accountable because they haven't been given it. You have been given, okay? They can't understand this. They're Christians, but they can't understand this. You can, so press on, press on. Well, friends, thank you so much again. My time is up. I want to encourage you to subscribe to our channel and to please share these videos. The most important thing you can do is to share these videos every day with your friends. Remember, Monday through Friday, we upload new videos. If you subscribe, you're gonna be able to get alerts every time we upload new videos. Okay, I also want to encourage you, please don't forget to go to patreon.com. Go to patreon.com where you're able to support us. Look for our handle, Emerging Temple, where you're able to support us there. Anything that helps towards the propagation of this message is appreciated. Okay, so remember, please go to patreon.com and look for our handle, Emerging Temple, and so you can be a supporter of this work. Thank you so much for your time. I look forward to seeing you tomorrow.